Uh, good morning, good morning, everybody, and it really is a joy to um, be with you today. Um, and uh, we'll turn to the Word of God in a moment. Just a few introductory comments. Yeah, real, real blessing. Thank you to the to the leadership team of uh, Junction Ten for the invite. The invite's actually been in the diary for some considerable time, and then for various reasons, these things happened. It got pushed back a little bit, um, but it really is good. Uh, to be with you um thank you for the kind invite and just just a, a comment or two for myself because i, c I can arrive um uh, as as it's been kindly said I, I i leave the central area which is east and west midlands those sort of in fact those 10 counties uh, that take up the great midlands area i am a midlander from nottingham originally um and uh, i also serve on the national leadership team of assemblies of god and it's a joy to do that. Been a joy on several occasions to connect with people from this church, Rachel uh, and uh, Will and Vicky, and then in other contexts also Joe and Kevin. And just a sense that the journey that you're on, which is a little bit of where I want to go to in a moment. But I, I didn't arrive from Mars today. I don't walk two foot off the floor. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a normal guy that believes that God makes all the difference in our lives. So 40 years Last Tuesday, I left my job on a journey of production management in a textiles company in Nottingham and went to the Assemblies of God Bible College, which was at Mattisley then. Not long there, but then. I was five when I went, you know, so. Um, but um, I was 22, actually. Um, but um, uh, so I've been on a journey. Uh, that journey was that uh, I, I was already engaged to my wife, and I was, she's still my wife, uh, 38 years in. And uh, three weeks after we left Bible college, I got married. And a week after that, I was running the church. I thought everybody did that, you know. Um, I've done about 15, 16 years of bivocational ministry on that journey, running the church and also working in a sales environment. And for the last 40, 14, 15 years, I've been back what you would call full-time. Did you know that every Christian's full-time? You know, uh, you're going to meet people tomorrow in the office, on the building site, driving the van, talking to the kids in the school. I'm not going to meet, you know. So don't try and make this divide between, you know, we're all full-time Christians that God wants to use in an amazing way. I want to say to young people this morning that are here, and I say this with, you know, it's not, it's not a thing. If God can use me, he can use anybody, you know. I had a very normal background. I, I, I don't say this because I'm regretful. I grew up on a council estate in Nottingham. It was an old-fashioned family. I've got three brothers and three sisters. Um, I went to an ordinary school, and I came out with ordinary qualifications, um, but, um, the, and I've done a lot of work since. Um, I, I love the little quote in the library today that uh, asking me to, if I like reading, is like if I like breathing. I, I do like reading and thank God for that. But I want to say that honestly, if he can use me, if you'll just yield to God's will in your life, if you'll just say yes, he can, he can use you, he really can. And the privilege for me to be here for a few minutes this morning to share is, is all God's grace. Um, it took me to 60, but I'm in granddad season. I was just sharing with Kevin. So we've got uh, two little grandchildren. That's uh, Charlotte, who's nearly two, and Caleb's four months old. And then my other daughter, two daughters, she's a primary school teacher in uh, one of the most, let's put it this way, one of the most challenging areas of inner city, Nottingham. She's there by choice. She's there because she feels that's where God wants her to be. And she's been, served, she's been married nine years, but in a couple of weeks' time, uh, there's grandchild number three on the way and so it's going to be a busy Christmas this year and we're loving that. The final thing is, if you're a Wolves fan, I'll still shake your hand afterwards 
And that tells you what team I support, so we'll go no further. <coughs> Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. <coughs> Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. <coughs> we thank God this morning for worship. We thank God for... I never cease to be amazed. I go into context, people giving the gifts, people having sort of spent time getting the songs ready, people leading us into worship. And so thanks, guys, for doing that this morning and bringing a lead, and we appreciate it. And then, of course, the discouragement to every preacher when half the congregation disappeared because of a value on kids' church. And I'm a product of a Sunday school, and I want to encourage you to keep laying a great value on lending to kids, particularly in these complex days in which we live. So Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gates, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I want to speak this morning, I'm sorry I've not got a PowerPoint, um, numbers of reasons, generational challenges, you know. And the fact is, I'm not just, I didn't quite complete the message writing up until yesterday afternoon. Um, <clears throat> It was then that I went to the football results after that, you know, but, but, um, <clears throat> but hopefully it'll be uh, credible enough for you to follow uh, in terms of the points I'm going to give in a moment. But if you want a title for the word, it's the law of destination, the law of destination. I'm very conscious that when I come to a church, all I am doing is adding a little value to what your leaders are already laying in. I've not come this morning to turn over every table, um, to speak into every context and challenge, but I've come this morning by God's grace, hopefully preparing well, just to add a little bit more value to your journey. I understand that in a literal sense it's been a journey, and wow, walking into this amazing site this morning with, a, with a, just a great sort of ambiance about it, a great feel about it. And uh, we were just talking, you know, I love the fact that uh, the church sits cheek by jowl with the community this morning. You may not feel they're interested, but they're watching, and I know that you've sown into that, and the car park for everybody. That's the kingdom. That's community. That's what it's all meant to be. So I'm, I'm just adding a little bit this morning, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and encourage us continually on the journey this morning. And what was stirring in my heart sort of aligned with a conversation I had this week with a mentoring group, a good friend of mine, a good colleague of mine that's very committed to mentoring and developing ministers, was having lunch and out of a series of circumstances, how about just joining us for lunch? And it was very enjoyable. And I suppose on the post-holiday season, um, <clears throat> although it seems a lot of folks are still off, but in the post-holiday season, schools and colleges getting back a, a significant time of the year, we began to talk about holidays and it more moved from holidays to travel. And we were amusing ourselves to remember that most of the journeys that were, were clear in our mind were when the journey went wrong. Now, I don't claim to be widely, widely traveled. Some of you may travel widely, both in this nation and across the nations in business. But I, I've been to a few places and um, I began to think about this. I, again, I... I Love a sheltered life. It took me to gone 60 before I ever went to the States. But I'm not going to an easy place. I'm going to Birmingham, Alabama. 
and there's no direct flight in. So I'm with three colleagues and we leave Heathrow Airport two and a half hours late and we never catch the time up. And we come into Miami Airport, which I can only say was chaotic, being kind, you know. Um, we missed the flights. We got put up in a holiday in to quarter past 12 at night. They said, you've got to be up at 4.30, you've got to get race back to the airport. So I'm not sure if your flights... Anyway, this, you know how they... You think, I wonder if they know what they're doing. Anyway, the end result was we had to get a flight up to Charlotte, North Carolina, and then race across the airport in Charlotte, North Carolina to get this little 40-seater plane into Birmingham. We made it about 10 hours late. But we had a great conference. We went for a purpose. And it was a sense of enormous relief when we arrived. I flew to Romania once. We were my wife. We were visiting an apostolic friend of ours there. I thought, I'll do it cheap. We'll go via Air Italia. And uh, so going in, into Rome, out again. But coming back, it was Bucharest to Milan. I didn't realise there were 70 kilometres between the two Milan airports. And we missed the bus shuttle. And so all of a sudden, the uh, he's not a taxi driver, but obviously the guy had seen people in problems before. And he says, Lanate, Lanate. That's the airport in Milan. Yeah, I says, that's where I need to go, Lanate. 90 euros. I said, I've only got 65 on me. He says, that will do, you know. And that was the extent of his English. As we're driving into, into Milan, my wife taps me on the shoulder and says, this isn't a proper taxi, there's no meter. There's no. And obviously, he'd seen this happen many times. He was on the phone to his friend saying that he'd, uh, he'd got a fare. And uh, she says, what if he drives us into a wood, you know, and kills us, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, he got us there just in time, racing. Up there. Um, and then, Last year we had the joy of being in New York for seven days. Never been before. Just thought it, it was brilliant. You know, I think you either love it or hate it. We loved it. It's brash. It's loud. Everybody talks like this in New York as they're going down. The, you know, it's true. Um, anyway, we just, we just loved it. So I, I like baseball. Uh, it's because I like cricket and that sort of, you know. Um, and um, so on the Saturday, because we'd got an extra day, which was a miracle, I'd sort of said, I'll do all the shopping, I'll do fifth but we're going to the Yankee Stadium on Saturday, you know, and we went to watch, uh, we went to watch a game, it was good. Um, but on the Thursday afternoon, we'd had a very sort of tiring time, I said, I'm going to do a dummy run on the New York subway, never been on the subway, you know. I wanted, so the Yankee Stadium's up sort of the northeast of the city in the Bronx, and uh, so we're right in the middle next to Madison Square Garden. So my wife says, how long are you going to be? I says, 10 minutes if I bottle it, you know. Um, so I'm down into the, if you've ever read, there's a way of, you've got to sort of, and you f everybody knows that you're not a New Yorker because it never works full time. You, the first time you have to sort of slide this, this thing through the machine. And sure enough, I'm... Anyway, it didn't work. But eventually I got there. And I got there and I got back and we were set up for Saturday. We had a great day. So you, you go into those places now, aren't you, where you're arguing with your, your wife about, you know, and you felt the butterflies in your stomach because you thought you were going to... You're all going there right now. Or you remember all the times when it goes wrong. Thank God it doesn't always go wrong. You know, sometimes it's just smooth. I was reminded of James 1-2. Consider it pure joy when you go through many trials. The reality is, friends, as believers, we don't look for the trials. We don't look for the problems. But they come looking for us. And often it's when we're most shaped and when we most learn. People have had to navigate hurricanes. Is it me? But calling an hurricane, Irma, just... He seems to trivialise it, you know. Those folks' house has been blown to kingdom come and they keep talking about Irma, you know. Anyway, it must just be me. Why can't we just call it a hurricane? 
But the fact is storms, hurricanes came. It'd be true to say that in our assemblies of God fellowship in the last 12 months we've had something of a hurricane just out of a decision. I won't go there this morning. And to some extent it's still blowing but we're praying that God will help us to find a real cohesive way forward. So here's Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. The people wanting a political liberator but he comes with an altogether different kingdom message that truly set people free. I've called it the law of destination, probably more the principle of destination because I don't want you to think I'm preaching law this morning, particularly when one of the values which I absolutely adhere to of your church is grace in this Grace Academy. But the reality is that people were absolutely bowed down by law and Jesus came to set different principles. The repetitive phrase of Matthew 5, 6 and 7 is, you've heard but I say to you, And he spoke about integrity and purity and generosity and priority amongst other things. And he lifted the people to make a higher call in their devotedness to follow him. And here he speaks about the way, the way being narrow. I'm not so sure he was calling us to be narrow-minded. I'm not so sure he was calling us to be narrow in our generosity or our grace. But he is and was narrow as against the populist route that's pursued by others and if we're passionate about getting to God's purpose and destiny we have to continually sign up to the route map that he's laid out which is the narrow way a worship leader I know some time ago that served in arena church wrote a number of songs and one of the lines of one of the songs was though the way may be narrow show me your way someone said this our destiny the the way ahead is to do with the journey not just the arrival point and I want to confess over this church again this morning that you have a destiny you have a purpose and I want to encourage the leadership team and the church to continually define your reason for being the destiny that there's not just a behind there's an affront but on that journey towards There are things to navigate. The Christian life, of course, is often portrayed by journeys and pilgrimages. John Bunyan, the Baptist pastor in prison for his faith, wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. It's never been out of date since 1678 because people have always been keen to read about the journey. It's a book that charts a journey and hails a destination and talks about some of the challenges in between. Today, of course, in our journeys, we go to maps. At least some of us do. Um, We go to books, we go to brochures, we go to timetables, sat-nav, GPS systems. Tell you a little story. It just shows I'm getting on. We we had no intention of buying this new car, but we had a couple of lazy lazy hours one afternoon, which is unusual. We had a coffee, and I said to my wife, let's go to Bristol Street Motors. They've got this deal on. Car salesman Matthew comes towards me, booted and suited, lovely guy, and starts to go to the sales pitch of the latest Renault Clio, his first thing was, the satellite navigation on this is amazing. And my wife bursts out laughing. He says, what, what's up? She says, he doesn't drive on sat He's got to be one of the few people in this country that doesn't drive. Drive on sat I said, it's an age thing, Matthew. Well, how do you know where you're going? I says, well, it's called a map. He says, and what if the road's closed? I says, well, you use your intuition. You keep going left, 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 until you 
Anyway, he didn't get the sale, but we sort of ended up sort of good friends. <clears throat> I'm fascinated with people I know that live a few minutes away from me, and before they leave my house to get to their house, they put the sale. I can, why don't you know how to get home? But whatever you're using, the fact is that we're thankful for helps. And I prepared for this journey this morning, literally, to come here. So I, what I do is I put the postcode into my, into my uh, iPad and I sort of get a... And the blue line takes me through and that's what does it. But in ancient times, you'll know that they used milestones. And a number of years ago, a good friend of mine, in fact, he was my youth leader back in Nottingham many years ago, very, very successful uh, businessman in... Uh, in uh, computer technology, worked for some big companies and set his own company up. And he lived uh, in the shadow of the M4, <clears throat> uh, just near Reading as you're going into London. Uh, he lived in a little village and at the bottom of the drive of his house, which was called Milestone Cottage, was one of the old pot milestones. Can you remember? The sort of and he tracked the road from Reading to Basingstoke. <clears throat> and in the few minutes we've got left this morning, I've got seven milestones. Don't worry, we're going to traverse them very quickly. Because I want to encourage you to continue to commit to the journey. And I know there's an expansive reach from this church, but to continue to commit as Jesus was trying to drive down to the narrow way that leads to life. And to realize that as we continually traverse the milestones, it's always taking us to where God wants us to go. I say it boldly this morning, friends, but if church hasn't got a place where they want to go, for me, it ceases to have a right to be a church because without a vision, we perish, we fall apart, we cast off restraint. So here's milestone number one, repentance. Repentance. The word literally means a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Some of you know that the word in the original language of the New Testament is metanoia. And it means exactly that. Luke 15, one of the classic examples of repentance in the New Testament. And you don't need me this morning to expand the story in full. Simply to say that when we run from God rather than to him, it inevitably creates problems in our lives. And the ignominy of a Jewish boy ending up in a pigsty was the exaggeration of scripture to drive on the point. And he repented. He repented. <coughs> He had knowledge of the fact that he sins. He made a decision that he was going to set out back to his fathers. He thinking he would be a servant and not a son. And he took action. The Bible says that he got up. If I can use a travel illustration again. Um, <clears throat> the London Underground. And we're thankful that there wasn't more devastation this week at Parsons Green. But it's a great example for me of repentance. Which I had to implement recently. My wife's always saying, hold my hand on the underground, because I don't know where I'm going. And she says, anyway, how do you know where you're going? So, well, it's east to west, north, you know. And I say, if we get it wrong, we just get off. And so I was going to a meeting right near Westminster Bridge, and I got on the tube in a rush way, and it was taking me out of London rather than towards the city of London. It would have been crazy for me to just say, you know what? It's going to sort of work out somehow. I repented. I got off at the next station, I went over the bridge, came down to the station that was going this way. I had knowledge, I'd gone wrong. I made a decision to get off the train and I took action and it brought me to where I needed to be. This morning, I don't know 
any, hardly anybody here, but just to say that if you've come with a friend, a member of a family, and this morning you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, then repentance is a way to begin the journey. You may say, well, that's great, Phil, but I want to remind believers also that we continually need to live close to a repentant heart. Repentance is not just for believers. Repentance is for the journey. When we feel sometimes we've got it wrong, it's not the end. You just need to turn around, have a change of mind that leads to a change of action, and God will take you forward. Milestone number two is renewal. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Inwardly, I, sorry, outwardly I'm wasting away, but inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. You always get irritated. I'm getting irritated. You always get irritated. You know, when somebody's not seen you for 10 years and expects you to look exactly how you did when they last saw you. You know, outwardly we're wasting away. My hair wasn't always like this. I wish I had a picture to prove it. You know. Uh, but inwardly, you can be in a place today of never being more alive in the power of God's Spirit. The last time I had to call the AA out was a number of years ago. <clears throat> we were traveling to my daughter's. And guys, why do we do it? We'll be okay. We'll be okay for petrol. We'll be okay for fuel. We'll be okay. And she lived at that time on a hill. There was still a little bit of fuel, but when I came out of her house at sort of 10 o'clock at night, and the kindly AA man came to me and says, there was a bit of fuel in me. He says, but with you being on the hill, it had come right to the bottom of the tank, and you were going nowhere. And spiritually speaking, this morning, if you've come in and empty, for whatever reason, depleted by work, depleted by relationship, Depleted by a financial challenge. Don't ignore it. Walk past the milestone of renewal again this day. And know that your God is with you. That he's for you. That he's around you. And as you take of him again. That you'll be utterly empowered. To be all that he's called you to be. Milestone three. Remembering. Remembering. The preachers are always telling us to forget. Forget the former things, forget your sin, forget your past. No, that's absolutely true. But the reality is at times is in the passion for forgetting, we fail to understand the powerful principle of remembering. In Psalm 78 verses 9 to 16, it gives a little insight into the tribe of Ephraim. The tribe of Ephraim had been peculiarly blessed remember the situation when Joseph took his sons into his father's presence for a patriarchal blessing Manasseh and Ephraim and Jacob does that and got dad I, 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 know, I know your eyesight's failing but you, no 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 son you don't understand Manasseh's going to be blessed but whew, Ephraim going to be blessed amazingly absolutely amazing and the Bible says that that tribe was blessed, the prophetic word upon them, faithfulness of God. You can read it in Psalm 78. It's so faithful in miracles and provisions. But read it there. It says that when the day of battle come, they turned away, even though they were armed with bows. And it goes on to say the reason was they forgot. They forgot. 
I wonder if you've been a Christian a few years now and you forgot. You forgot just how good God's been. You got used to being a Christian. You forgot the mess he got you out of. You forgot the values that he's laid within you. You forgot that the, 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 the dignity and poise and influence that you carry at work is because of the gospel in you. It's all become, well, you know, I'm just... And I say this morning that when the battle comes, God doesn't want us to run away. He wants us to fight through it, remembering that he will always be with us. This church has been blessed, blessed. It's not an encouragement to sit in the past, friends, but to take up all the juices of remembering how good God has been, to say that whatever faces the future, you can know the victory in him. Milestone number four is response. Samuel Responding to the gentle promptings of God in 1 Samuel 3.10 says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You know that the young boy initially found it difficult to uh, discern the voice of God. He was helped by the priest, even though the priesthood was in a backslidden state. Eli helped him in this situation. And he positioned himself again on the fourth time of God speaking to him, saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant Hears. This young boy became a prophetic voice to the nation. I wonder, if the, I wonder if there's a young person, a young man, a young woman in this building this morning that in the purpose of God will have a prophetic voice into this community, into this area, into our nation. We so need the prophetic voice, friends. I'm not just about the word of prophecy. I'm on about what God is saying in these days. It starts with saying, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. A couple of years ago, out of relationship with John Partington, our former national leader, my colleague Christian Thorpe, I work with in Arena Church between Nottingham and Derby. Um, we got involved in Beshan International Church in Manchester. It used to be called Beshan Tabernacle for some of the older people here that would know that. It was the biggest church not only in Manchester but in the northwest for many, many years, led by an autocratic leader called John Nelson Parr. It was pioneered in 1929-30, and in the first four years, it baptized 1,000 people. And for over 30 years, it maintained a momentum of 1,000 young people on a Saturday night and 1,000 people on a Sunday night in the church. They've still got the old wooden chairs. You can't get a 1,000 of the wider ones in now. Um, <coughs> sort of been in decline, if I can say it respectfully. Some great people ever since. And this year, I've been talking to... Uh, my friend there about secondment in his work this year I've been seconded by Arena Church to be the lead pastor of that church I'm not in I'm doing a few teaching nights at Arena but I'm, I'm not doing anything on Sunday my pastoral assistant Agatha is leading the meeting this morning she's a Zambian by birth I say all that because last autumn it was what we were supposed to do and I felt the spirit of God say to me I'm 61 then can I still get a yes out of you I've said yes many times. I'd only been going out with my wife three days when we came out of a youth rally and we prayed, God, whatever it costs, we'll follow you. And it's cost us. Because some people say, oh, that was a nice prayer. And you've probably just sort of been walking through flowers ever since. It's cost us. Can I still get a yes out of you? I'm not the permanent solution to that church. 
I'd like to say that everybody in the church rolled over and says, oh, thanks, Phil, for coming this year, but I've had fingers in my face. I've had people putting things on Facebook. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And yet, in it all, God wants to do something fresh in this church. My question to you this morning, I don't care how old you are, I wonder if you're the person this morning as a granddad, a grandma, that's going to sit in that classroom and be a mentor to somebody, listen and read for an hour a week. But here's my question. When was the last time you positioned yourself before God to do something for the first time? Yeah, it's a bit of a gulp, but that's faith. When was the last time you said, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening? Milestone number five. Refreshment. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.18. Be being filled with the Spirit. I'm no Greek scholar, but I went to a day on which was entitled Greek Unfolded Once by a man that sort of like gobbled up Greek for breakfast. I've got a Baptist friend, by the way, who reads New, the New Testament Greek in, for his devotions. Not, not, not an interlinear Bible. He's, he's a double first from Oxford, you know, so... They do those sorts of things. Why do we need to keep being filled with the Spirit? Because we leak. There's going to be guys here this week that are going to listen to language at work they'd rather not hear, be on the edge of jokes. They'd not, rather not sort of hear about weekend shenanigans with their colleagues. We leak the things that we leak by. It's called being in the world. I'm not suggesting you get out of it. But you need to be keep being filled with the Spirit. The, the, the lecture on this day, a wonderfully schooled man from Australia, reminded us that be, being filled with the Spirit is in the continuous tense, but not only the continuous tense, the imperative tense. tense. In other words, it's not a suggestion. It's more like, be being filled with the Spirit. That's how, that's how it's meant to come across. And this morning we came, we worshipped, and I want to encourage you both together as community and also on your own to continually depend upon the Spirit of God. Keep letting him fill the bucket, fill the bucket, fill the bucket to replenish and refresh you for his purposes and plans. Milestone number six, repurpose. Isaiah says, see, I am doing a new thing. Local churches... And I'm aware that this church has had to do this in significant ways in recent times. Local churches at periodic times, not every week you'll freak everybody out, but at periodic times have to navigate the times and seasons that they believe God is taking them into. It then gives them a credibility for still having a reason to exist. Why do churches flounder? Because they run to what experts call missional drift. Those of you that are in leadership, if you get a chance to read a book called Missional Drift by Pete Greer and Chris Hoyce, I'd encourage you to do that. The premise of their book, be an organization in business, in commerce, in education, and local church, is this. Drift is the natural course for any organization, including a local church. It takes focused attention to safeguard against it. Ignored, drift is only a matter of time. It's the reason, friends, why 70% of all local churches planted never celebrate their centenary. 
100 years. It's a long time. It's not that long. Every one of them sets out by being planted to reach their community. 70% of those churches never celebrate 100. The reason being that they don't crisscross the milestone of repurpose and ask themselves on an occasional basis through the lead and authority of the church, what is our purpose in this season? Why are we doing what we're doing? What is our reason for being? And if we'll navigate those questions, God will take us forward. And finally, the milestone of repair. As you know, there's been a travel theme during the message this morning. Imagine you're going down the M6, that wonderful junction 10. You're going to the southwest, your cases are packed. And as you navigate onto the M5, everything in the world is good. The radio is on, the sun's shining. And that fateful time when a tire's punctured. Now, I've seen one or two people try it, but let me just explain again this morning that if you carry on with a punctured tire, you're not going to get very far. So you stop. Here's a statistic, one of the most dangerous places to be on, in, in road, in, uh, in, in traveling, is to be on the hard shoulder of a British motorway trying to change a tire. Get the expert out. Get green flag, get AA, get them out, give me all the lights. And but there you are waiting and the, the man says, it's been repaired and you're on your journey and away you go. I say all that because as Christians sometimes we're trying to Go on the journey and we're, we're punctured. There's a punctured tire. There's a punctured tire. Don't have time to open it this morning, but Psalm 51, a penitential psalm. David had punctured his life through a moral fall and he cries out to God for repair. He says, creating me a clean heart. Do not cast your presence from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Two things this morning, brothers and sisters. If for whatever reason this morning you, f- you feel punctured, somebody's deflated you, maybe a word, maybe something said, a circumstance, a situation, a misunderstanding, a criticism, it all comes. And you feel as though boom, 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 you're trying. You've got, you've got to find repair. Maybe you, maybe you feel you failed and every time you turn up at sh- church, the accusing voice sweeps across your spirit and says, why have you come? You are a failure you will never do anything this morning is the morning to be healed to be made whole to be set free and to get back on the journey that God has purposed for you and then what about punctured relationally a few two three years ago now Robbie Williams and Gary Barlow sort of brought this song out you'll know that they had a punctured relationship see I know a bit about take that you know And the song was entitled, It's a Shame, and here's some of the lyrics. What a shame we never listened, I told you through the television. And all that went away was the price we paid. People spent a lifetime this way. That's how they stay. Oh, what a shame. And then prior to the Andy Murray phenomena at Wimbledon, our last finalist in the men's tennis championship was 1938 it wasn't Fred Perry it was Bunny Austin 
And Bunny Austin was a Christian pacifist who spent most of the second part of his life in the USA. And after the Second World War, he was continually refused membership of the All England Telescope, a very prestigious membership. Normally, this honorary position would be a certainty for someone that had scaled the heights of reaching the men's singles final. He obviously lost, so that's why we go berserk about Murray. This went on for 40 years. <clears throat> there was one person every year that Bunny Austin's application came forward for membership that voted it down. He was bitter at not being picked for the Cambridge University tennis team in his student days when Bunny Austin was the captain. It was only after this man died that there was a poignant scene of Austin, now in frail health, being wheelchaired across the centre court to the ovation of his crowd, of the crowd to finally receive membership. The power of unforgiveness is so destructively strong. Friends, we can't live there. Someone says that unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. The only person you're killing is yourself. So it's all right for you. You're the preacher wandering in. If you and I don't know every situation, friends. And as a pastor and leader, I never cease to be amazed at some of the terrible situations and circumstances believers have to navigate. But if your bag this morning is unforgiveness, I urge you to freshly commit to the journey by letting it go. It may need a text, an email, a phone call, conversation to seal the decision. But the weight of blessing that will be restored to your life has no value. Hope oh, you've got it. The law of destination. I confess over this church again this morning that it's still got a journey to go on. I confess again this morning that there's still a destiny that lies before you. I speak to people this morning where maybe may have become a little dormant and even dead for it to come alive again in Jesus' name. I pray over the leadership team that they'll be blessed spirit-filled and anointed to help navigate this church forward in its passions and in its reach to touch this area, working with other churches in the black country. And who knows what reach God has got for a church when it truly commits to all that God has got for it, the nation and even the nations. So let's make sure that we're on the narrow path that we've entered the gate, that we've yielded to God's purposes and that we're taking the journey seriously. Let's for a moment forget all the modern paraphernalia that helps us travel and go back to milestones. In interestingly, in ancient travel, the word repentance was often used because people got lost. But these little signals that keep us on track and I encourage you as a church this morning to continually traverse the milestones of repentance and renewal to go past remembering again all that God has done for you to respond to his voice and say speak Lord your servant is listening 
to be refreshed by being continually filled with his spirit to navigate those seasons of repurpose that pushes back on drift well and if necessary both individually and across relationships to make repair and not try and do it with a punctured tire someone says we get our choices right when we address our values the values of the narrow way to see not just the beginning but the end to see things not just in the light of time but in the light of eternity i leave you and thank you for listening so well by encouraging you to commit afresh this morning to that journey of finding a destination and believing that on the way even though sometimes it may appear to go wrong even though sometimes the storms hurricanes and broken downness to navigate all the stuff we've talked to talked about in the last few minutes knowing God's with us knowing God's taken us forward knowing you've got a part to play in it that this church in this place at this time really just get to the destination point let's pray I just simply want to pray over you friends and then I'm going to hand back to our sister who's brought the lead this morning to conclude the service I'll mention seven things it may be just one of it, it may be a sentence that was me that's me But how have God spoken to you this morning? Young person, older person, maybe an older person feeling God's passed you by. He hasn't. There's a new season. I speak it to somebody this morning. You're not passed by. You're not finished. There's no scrap heap in the kingdom. God's got something for you. Somebody here this morning disappointed. Disappointed. You just can't shake it off. You're just disappointed. Disappointed with our yourself disappointed with God and God's saying this morning he's going to set you free he's going to give you a new holy optimism you're going to start seeing it completely different in Jesus name that person this morning that's lived under accusation you failed you messed up ah you've tried all that you can to get free and Jesus says again that he loves you and the word of God says there's no condemnation to you because you're in Christ Jesus. Let it go this morning. Let that condemnation go. That thing that continually punctures you. Let it be gone in Jesus' name. Travel free in Jesus' name. There are people here this morning, just because of the gifting that you carry, just in terms of life, you carry huge weights. People carrying responsibilities at work. Big meetings this week. Lots of responsibility. And God sees all that and he's encouraging you to find the, the paradox of that to travel light. To not get weighed down by that stuff but to be light in your spirit. And, uh, and to, to realize that you travel light in him so he'll give you all that you need for the weight of responsibility you carry in that context that he's placed you. Somebody here this morning with a passion for children, boys and girls. And it seems so big, so vast, so immense that it's just beyond you. But God's positioning you, he's placing you, he's, he's calling you, and uh, he's going to use you in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we just thank you for 
this congregation. We thank you for the boys and girls outside. <clears throat> we thank you for the teachers that have prepared another lesson to sow the word of God. We pray over this young emerging generation in this area, in our nation in these days. Such a confused world, Lord, that you will put a hedge of protection around them and that you will raise up voices, significant voices for your kingdom, influencers, entrepreneurs, political leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers that would impact their world in their day. And I thank you for this congregation, Lord, this morning. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And I pray that every one of us would have just been able to get hold of something this morning that brings life, that will journey well. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Phil.